the Dogma Podcast. Where my dogs at? Let's go. <laughs> How are you, Dr. Standerford? Hello? I hear, I hear you just fine. How are you, sir? I'm blessed to have a favor. How you doing? Indeed you are. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, thanks for catching back up with me. I, I know it's been a bit much on you, and I really, really appreciate your time. I do. Yes, sir. I do. You know, as, you know, as we talked about, uh, we want to talk about uh, mental illness in, in the urban community. And um, I know your position is a, a, a little bit um, 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 personal. I, I think that, you know, you, you know, you've t told me that you think that we're, we're not the constitution is not there. We're not, you know, doing the things we need to be doing, like going to the doctors and, um, you know, getting the help we need to prevent some of these things, these mental illnesses that, that come upon us. So the, the onus of a lot of the responsibility from conversations that we've had before in the past is that. Is, is that a right, a good assessment or am I off the mark a little bit? Closely, I am I, I, aware of the systems that, that are at play. And I teach African-American history. And I speak on racism, and I speak on the isms that 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 are that are that you know that are present and that that are barriers um, barriers for us to gain access to certain mental health um, mental health facilities and mental health resources. I, I but I am shifting my mental um, to not placing sole blame. I do want us to start taking more responsibility for our access. Um. um you know, for for instance, uh, you know, one of the comments I have, I've been to masterminds and the focus of being mental health. Um, and one of my mastermind brothers, um, he was telling me about going to counseling, going to he's he's going to relationship counseling, marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, and only one of my mastermind brothers go. The other ones are saying, you know, I'm not really, I don't really need that. You know, I'm not really there. I don't really need counseling or a yeah. therapy or such. And I've been to therapy. I've been to counseling. And I see the benefits. I see the benefits of us going. Um, and but I do do understand that there's a large portion of the population who just don't have access to them. There, there are barriers that prevent. So if you're low income, you don't have access to mental health facilities. If you're low income, um, you can't take off of work to go to a mental to go see a therapist. You can't take off of work. Um, you you might not have transportation to get there. You might not have childcare to get there. Um, you might not have adequate facilities in your neighborhoods. Um, um, but but those of us do who do have access to mental health facilities, um, I think I I do. Yeah, this I thought just popped in my head. Those of us who do have access to mental health facilities who are able who have the resources to go, many of us might not feel like we need it because we reached a certain level that okay we don't need mental health services. We've we've reached a plateau that we're good on that. Um, you mean so, you mean that you do you mean like we actually do need uh, these kinds of services and we in denial and say we don't? Is that what you're referring to? A small percentage of the population, not wholly, not wholly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, to me, in my personal opinion, I think everybody needs mental health services. Everybody, <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're sad. in an urban, if you're in an urban community, you 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 do. Um, there's a certain forces that add be that we just don't know how to address that we don't have access to, um, and we don't know how to deal with. So um, I, I think everybody needs, um, I, I don't think everybody goes. I think some people don't go 
because of the stigmatism that, you know, if you go see a therapist, if you go see a counselor, you're quote unquote crazy. Right. Um, and I think the other people don't have access to the facilities, don't have um, transportation, don't have the knowledge the facilities exist, um, aren't available at a young age. You know, when you're a child and you're in need of mental health services, mm -hmm. you need an adult to advocate for you. A child don't know how to advocate for themselves when they need services. Right. Um, somebody who's in need of mental health services, you know, severe mental health services, they don't know how to advocate for themselves. They need somebody to advocate but, for them to push them to go. But you're implying then that that our parents, the parents of, say, children, because you're talking about somebody advocating for you, uh, are, are not advocating for their children. Um, I, and I think it's it's a, I think it's more so a not advocate, for instance, um, one of the things I learned when I was going to school is that an uneducated parent um, is feels inferior to to their to, to a teacher in a lot of cases. You know, mm -hmm. uneducated parents, they go to a school to talk to a principal or talk to a teacher. Sure. They feel at a disadvantage because one person has a degree, one person might not have a degree. So they feel the need to just accept the advice or the recommendations for, of their teachers. Mm -hmm. um, that's one case. Um, um and and but other most cases parents would say, hey, school, my child is in need of services. I need you to provide services for my child. Um, um, and that they, I do see that case happen a lot. I have, I see that case happens a lot where parents do advocate for their children. They um, do. If, if they do know, they you know. do because I, I personally have my son is thirty four years old. I had a set of twin boys, um, that I had custody of them and that were living with me, and they were a little peculiar, like their daddy. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and you know, just hyper, always getting into something, you know, doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing. And the social workers, the counselors, and then the social workers that intervened, they actually, they actually recommended Ritalin. I don't know if you know what that is for this young man. And I didn't even know what Ritalin was at the time, but I looked it up, obviously. And um, they were actually trying to give my son something that was going to actually do him more harm than good and something that he could become addicted to, something that would progress into the, the point where if he didn't have the Ritalin, he wouldn't be, you know, being able to behave or maintain. Mm -hmm. And when I found that out, I was like, we're talking about advocating for your kid. I was like, no, we're not giving him that. I know I just had, we just have to suffer through these pains and, you know, try mm -hmm. to correct them as, as best I possibly can. And now, you know, he's been through some pains and perjuries in life, but now he's fine. So the mm -hmm. Ritalin wasn't necessary, but look at the misdiagnosis stuff. Mm -hmm. And see, that's what I'm saying. Do you know, the reason that I'm having this talking and asking for your perspective is because I feel that, and we're going to look at a couple of clips. I got one because you know you're a spoken word genius. So I got this little clip. I thought I'd amuse you because this boy, you may know something about him, but the clip is really good and it's it speaks to what we're talking about. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. On top of that, we lack proper mental health care access and endure mistreatments by medical professionals who cannot relate to us in their practice. On top of that, we stigmatize mental illness to preserve this place of our strength, damaging ourselves and among black children observing a spike in suicide rates. I, you know, I remember from when we talk 
And I do believe that, you know, a lot of times we don't deal with um, mental illnesses. In the, when, when, when we say we, we're talking about inner city, you know, certain income levels of when I say we, that's what I'm talking about, because that's where, where what I'm in. That's the context. So in the inner cities, like in, in here in Atlanta, when I look on every corner is someone asking for something. I've started to do some video work because we're going to do some documentaries on homelessness and trying to find out, you know, get some personal perspectives on what these people have to say or how did they got to this position. You know, the people living in tents and so forth and so on. And there's a direct correlation between mental illness and this types of homelessness and this transitory type of living. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I mean, isn't that some type of, because I know the people that have actually tried to help individuals, and I have too, actually, that were homeless, and they reverted right back to where they had been saved from. So yeah. that was their norm. They couldn't be helped. But that's a mental issue uh, to me. You know, it's a learned behavior. But what do you, what do you say? I mean, you have programs, and I didn't even introduce you, but we'll talk about all that. There, there, you you have programs that you develop and things in which all stem from a personal constitution trying to teach youth at a young age personal constitution to make good choices correct so in in for us in terms of our personal responsibilities and trying to help ourselves and and even help others that would have these conditions what do you suggest that we can do collectively like as a community uh, starting from you, maybe our politicians, the healthcare communities, uh, the nonprofits. What could we do collectively, you think, to address this issue? Because the issue being that in the inner cities, the, the lack of attention to mental illness is disturbing because it's causing a lot of deterioration of the African American population that I think could be salvaged if people could be addressed, if these illnesses could be addressed, you know, more. That's a tough I know it's kind of, I know it's a, I know it's a broad statement, but mm -hmm. just give me some idea of what you think. I think the main be. thing is, I think the main thing is advocacy. You know, when you create um, awareness and advocacy for um, the, the need for mental illness in our schools, I remember in our, um, in our previous session, we mentioned, you mentioned the school, um, a, a low income school where they provided services for the students um, to just kind of gauge where students are. Um, and they just mentioned a, gave a case about um, your son being recommended um, Ritland. Um, and that's, I, I don't have a lot of experience, but I do know a lot of people are, are, are recommended, you know, prescribed Ritland as a go-to mm -hmm. for certain symptoms, especially in young African-American boys. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, Based just based just just based on conversations and based on my small amount of research, I see that it creates almost a drug dependency. So, um, post Ritalin syndrome is drug dependency on things after Ritalin because mm -hmm. Ritalin has to end at a certain point, mm -hmm. but there's still a dependency for something to calm the nerves, to calm or to quote unquote fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have that dependency, you have boys who grow up into men, you have children who grow up into adults. With uh with a, a mental illness from a misdiagnosis at a young age, exactly. so there needs to be um, exactly. advocacy on on and and so parents can 
bridge the gap between parents and the, and the schools because you know if you're a parent in the schools and you're you're looking to the school for services to help your child and the school recommends Ridley, um, you know not all parents have the know how to stand up for their child and say no my child isn't taking Ridley. that's not the solution mm -hmm. not all parents have that ability to do so mm -hmm. some parents are going to say thank you for helping my child thank you for recommending this my child needs this needs Ridley. when that might not be the case that right. might not be the case so advocacy um in the communities in the households um um, especially at the schools, but making it making it available. I think COVID, you know, with the with with COVID, it made information more accessible. You know, prior to COVID, pre COVID, that was a thing where you had to be there face to face. You had to show up to the school or show up to the centers to get information. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we can do a Zoom session. And yeah. Zoom sessions, you know, they 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 do a lot. They I think they do got a lot of justice in bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. Um and cutting out the need for transportation, cutting out the need for child care. You can you can watch a, a recording a recording of the sessions. Um, you can make it innovative and fun, so it's not boring. You know, not yeah, you know, people have short attention spans. You know, you can make it's all different kinds of ways. We can make memes now, like we take advantage of the technology that we have access to. A lot of people are on TikTok. A lot of people educate on TikTok. A lot of people educate on Instagram. A lot of people educate on Facebook. Utilize these mediums to reach the masses and may and translate it in a way where it's digestible to our parents and digestible to the community. When you say, when you say it, what is it? Um, what, what advocacy, is advocacy. advocacy, awareness, um, um, erasing the stigmatism that comes with seeking mental health services. Like, like I, I know for me personally, before I started counseling, uh, my mom, my mom passed away when I was 20, uh, right before I turned 26, the man that raised me, he passed away. I went through a, a nasty divorce. Um, and my, my boss, um, my boss slash mentor, he recommended me, he, Hey, you need to go see a counselor. You need to talk to somebody. Don't just deal with it. Don't just hold all that stuff in. Mm. Um, if that, if that hadn't happened, I would have never went. Mm. Um, it hadn't even caught the idea hadn't even popped in my head to go see a counselor. It was just like, you, I can talk what, to what, what do you mean? If he hadn't suggested it? Yeah. Yeah. If he hadn't suggested I go see a counselor, I never would have even considered going. Um, but you were, but humble, still, you were humble enough to go though. Well, yeah, humble enough to go, but it took somebody who I trusted. I trusted, I trusted my mentor. Um, uh -huh. he's not going to leave me down the right path, down the, down the straight path. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to if it was somebody else that I didn't know that I didn't have a relationship with and they recommended it, I probably would have, you know, pushed it to the side. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm good on that, but it took somebody it's, you know, people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. That's right. And, you know, a mentor, a mentor recommends you something and you know they want good for you. You, you know, you're going to, you'll, you'll digest the information a lot better than a stranger. You know, I don't know you. You don't know me. You don't know me, you know, from, from, from a can of paint. So it was easier for me to digest the information and go, and go seek the counseling that I needed because who, who would have known if I, if I would have never had that person to talk to, mm -hmm. you know, it probably would have led to a darker place or a deeper depression. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, we need advocacy. We need we need to take the stigmatism off that therapy is, is perfectly okay to go to. It's nothing bad about going. But it's not just about a counselor. I mean, that might be the you know first point of reference, but isn't it more like a collective community effort, you know, where you know it has to be other resources that are available to maintain, you know, to maintain the person throughout their you know, the journey with, from, with this transition. So, so with advocacy, with ad, the advocacy, how, how do we take the advocacy 
and best use it in a community. It does take a level of diagnosis to see what specifics does a person need. You know, retina might retina might not be a cure all for all people, but retina might be needed for certain people. You know, mm -hmm. certain people, a small percentage of people might do need retina. They might need medication. Mm -hmm. Some people might need a counselor or a therapist mm -hmm. or um or uh, uh, in my in my kids' school they have a um a support animal a support animal might you know all different kinds of different methods um I know in the school that you that you mentioned um they had a on a computer that a child can kind of gauge where they are mm -hmm. and it tracks the data the computer and, speaks speaks to and asks them how they're mm -hmm. feeling and so forth and so on yeah and yeah. And, and you know now now these days these kids are <laughs> very comfortable being in front of a screen they're very comfortable. Um, we wouldn't, we, we, we can't even comprehend it because, you know, as a parent, I'm like too much screen time, too much screen time. Let's limit the screen time. Right. The kids literally are growing up in front of a screen or zoom all day. You know, they that's went true. through an era of COVID where school was literally eight hours a day in front that's of a true. screen. Um, so it's so many different, you know, now, now so many different, um, remedies need to be explored and, and, you know, as a teacher, I try to address audio, visual, touch. I try to address all the different styles of learning. And when it comes to seeking mental health services, we need to try to address all the different kinds of, of remedies for mental health conditions so we can find a, 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 the right combination for each specific person. Mm -hmm. So it's more, it's tailored to individuals. Do you know the capacity of what we're talking about? And I think in large part, that's why it doesn't happen. Because if somebody has severe mental issues and history that's uh like i wouldn't say insurmountable but that's a humongous uh, um, a mountain to climb you know what i'm saying so i mean you have to do exactly what you said and try to break down every element of what the cause is and the effects and then kind of come up with a solution a plan that's difficult is it mm -hmm. not when you when you're dealing with people Hey guys, I just wanted to stop by for a minute to uh, ask for your subscription, ask you to subscribe, um, click the bell below to get all the notifications as we get new, uh, new productions. Uh, we're looking forward to having some great stuff. Uh, we just secured a studio and we're looking to do some live um, uh, street audience interviews. We have a lot of stuff in store. So subscribe so you can get connected. Where my dog's at? very difficult because you might not know the cause of the root cause of the source you know it's uh, something might have probably happened to this person when they were you know a child um that's you know that's that's guiding their behaviors well into adulthood and you know it's hard to pinpoint that if a person doesn't you know doesn't doesn't dig deep to figure out hey this happened you know i met a young lady she is terribly, terribly, terribly afraid of balloons. Like you can't bring a balloon around her. She's terribly afraid of balloons. Mm -hmm. I'm like it's just a balloon. And <laughs> after speaking with her mama, she she popped a balloon when she was a child, and that scared, frightened her so bad. Traumatized well, her for life. Well into adulthood, she can't be around balloons. And you know that small, minute a balloon popping, she can't, she can't. A, a, a deep phobia of balloons. So that's the same thing with you know mental health issues. Something might happen to this person when well into childhood that they're not even aware of. And now they can't they can't you know they can't function in this area. They can't function in a certain space. Um, and how do you pinpoint that? How do you how do you go to that root cause? So it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a scary thing too. Um, we have the case here where the newscaster 
uh, just about a month ago, I mean, not a month ago, about a week ago, if it was that long, 26 or 29 years old, I, 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 as I read, she committed suicide. And her family said she was just the happiest person in the world, happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. But nobody mm-hmm. knew that because she had reached a level of you know, success and it looked like everything was hunky dory. And yet, and still she, you know, would take her life at such a young age and have achieved so much success, you know? And so you, you never know what's going on, you know, for, for, as I hear us talk for the people that are adults and are older and kind of setting their ways in their transitions and where, wherever their life is, it's kind of, you know, we, we just have to help as we can. But the ones that is that we can help for certainly is are are the people that you target, your target group, which are the youngsters, and start there. So hopefully it never gets to, you know, the plight of where a lot of our young, especially African American men are, um, with this lack of mental uh care, uh, mental health I care. Quote, one of my one of my favorite quotes, uh, it's better to be a strong boy and a girl than to repair broken men and women. That's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's I'm a worthwhile quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the youth. And so, you know, I you know, I guess for us, even a stronger case is what amount of effort do we want to put into helping our youth? Because we don't want them to get to this degree of um of any type of mental issues without having the proper support so that they can be strong men and women. Um, and your project is is one of those projects that um, is doing just that. Tell us a little bit about um, your your Rubik's Cube project uh, that you that you recently started. Um, so it's called Life is Like a Rubik's Cube, um, and the basis of it is goal setting and confidence building. So um, I, I believe strongly, wholeheartedly believe that the foundation for for success is confidence. You know, I can mm-hmm. take a straight A student right now. But if they don't have confidence, I show you a failure every single time. Sure. Um, but you give me somebody with some confidence, I can work with that. I can show you. I can you know. I can show you a success story. Um, and a lot of a lot of young people lack confidence. They lack. They lack confidence. Um, my my daughter and my son. I use them as an example. They got that mind. I can. You know, I seem close and personal. But I, I, one of the main things I know I make sure I do is build up their 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 self esteem, their belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. I praise them all the time. I um, mean, I push them. So they can see wins, so they know they 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 know their geniuses. Because I, I say it all the time, but also I give them opportunities to prove to themselves their geniuses. Um, and a lot of our young people need those opportunities. So I teach young kids how to solve a Rubik's cube because young people associate what well, most people associate solving a Rubik's cube with being a genius. If you can solve a Rubik's cube, you're a genius. So I teach I teach people how to solve Rubik's cubes and I placebo effect. I placebo themselves into believing that to tap into their geniusness. I'm so laughing. Now, <laughs> I'm laughing because that's one of the hardest things in the world for me. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and doesn't your doesn't your daughter? Can she? I I've seen it. She I know she can. She, she learned how to solve it. when she was. She learned how to solve when she was six years old. That's amazing, man. My son is my son is five. He, he I'll be teaching him. I think he's ready now. I I, I was waiting for six. I think he's ready now. He's um he's in the kindergarten, five mm-hmm. years old. He knows all the multiplication tables. And we were working on orders and operations right now. I'm like, wow, man, you, you you know you're five years old. You're in the kindergarten. You don't even understand how how amazing this is that you're doing this. Um, so I'm, he's ready now. He's ready too now. So yeah. Oh man, is this the type of this training that you do at home for your children? Is this the type of training that you 
you present in your uh, with your program, the Ruby's Q program? This is the first time that I'm going to mention this publicly. <laughs> the first time I'll mention this publicly. Okay. A lot of people ask me um, tips about what I do with my children. Ayana's, she's in third grade. She's doing pre-calculus and algebra and geometry. She's in third grade. So a lot of people ask me what I do. Um, so I have made the uh, decision. I'm going to lunch. Um, my life is like a Ruby Q Jr. session. Um, it's going to be called um, Unlocking the, the Natural Genius in Our Children. So I'm going to present workshops on how we can unlock the natural genius in our children. And the foundation is belief. It's belief. You know, mm -hmm. we got to get our kids believing in themselves, confidence. I mean, once they start to get confident, they are more inclined to take chances and prove to themselves that they're, that they're geniuses. So, yeah, I'm going to launch a service is, called uh, is, Unlock. Is there, is there, is there, is there a wholeness in, because you're actually raising your children, mm -hmm. and you know, I know in large part, I mean, really having control of aspects of their life and making sure that they're equipped. I mean, I know that for a fact. So, but, so what I'm saying is, is that how, is that how we can prevent this type of thing, this, I mean, you can't, per, some mental illnesses you just can't prevent. I mean, I guess mm -hmm. you have mental illness because you, for whatever reason, it can be biological, I imagine. But the mental illness, like for the the um, the different types of illnesses that the uh, soldiers have, uh, or the different types of illnesses that now that we're finding out the youngsters have, and, and we don't even know it. So are, are you saying that if, that you believe that a good tactic is to pour that type of concentration into your children so that it has a benefit, you think, a mental health benefit? That I wholeheartedly think that it could, would uh, address a lot of the issues that we have with our youth. Yeah. Um, not all of them, not all of them, because, you know, yeah. I've heard stories of soldiers coming home, you know, after seeing so much bloodshed, mm -hmm. and they're dealing with issues that, you know, that was developed as an adult. That was developed as you know in 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 the, in the battle, um, but when it comes to our kids, I think we need to figure out what I can't what our kids' strengths are. You know, there's a metaphor that we judge fish on how well they fly or how well they climb trees, and we judge birds on how well they swim. And what we need to focus on is putting birds in the air, fish in the water. Um, monkeys and trees. We need to focus on putting people in their proper and in, in their area of strength in their strong suits. Um, so you know, you know, I, I I give my kids a lot of opportunities to try things and fail at things, and I can make them, hey, I'm gonna love you regardless if you fail. I don't care about failing. I just want you to try. And when they find something that they're passionate about that they're good at, that's what we pursue. I don't care what it is. I just want them to find what they're passionate about, and that's what. No, we got this cookie cutter approach. We think all our boys should be athletes. All our boys should be football players and basketball players. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And, and some of our boys are skateboarders. Some of them are musicians. Right. Some of right. them are writers. Find where they're talented at right. and nurture those skills. And th that would develop their confidence. And I think they they won't find depression in something that they're good at. Mm -hmm. They won't find depression in something that they're talented at. So mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. You, you, you know, it's... It, a direct correlation. And I'm glad we, we're going there because we're, we're talking about mental illness, but, you know, we have to go back to root causes. And once something gets to the point where 
you know, it's psychotic, you know, per people have been homeless or um, they've been on medications for 30 years or whatever the case may be. It's kind of late. I mean, we can do what we can do, but I guess if I were to ask you, and I guess the, what I'd ask you was, what would your remedy be? And I guess your remedies be go back and catch the youngsters before they get to that point mm -hmm. so that you can instill stuff in them to keep that from happening. Is that what you're simply put? That's what you're saying. That's, I, that Everybody has their fight. That's my fight. I think mm -hmm. there is a fight mm -hmm. to address um to address adults there's a fight to there's a fight specifically for men specifically for women specifically for adults um my my heart my passion man i cry when i see kids doing things that they thought they couldn't do oh mm -hmm. man that's a joyous moment for me but mm -hmm. it's my fight um and i think if we get more people in the fight for their cause then you know we'll, we'll be a better place we'll be a way a better place absolutely Absolutely. You know, uh, I'm going to put uh, the links in, below into everything that you're doing to your website, uh, your program and all of that stuff, some contact information for you so that some people, um, as this moves forward, anybody want to contact you? Can. Is that OK with you? That's beautifully, perfectly OK. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. No, for sure. And again, Rubik's Cube, if anybody wanted to find out more about your program, we're going to put the links down, but where would they go? Um, I am working on social media presence, but Facebook, Life is Like a Rubik's Cube. Uh, Instagram, Life is Like a Rubik's Cube. Uh, my website is Lilark. It's the acronym for Life, Life is Like a Rubik's Cube, L-I-L-A-R-C.com. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And some, yeah, so. And we'll, yeah. we'll put, a, we'll, and we'll put all that stuff down in the, in the, um, in the description. So, if it, so people can have access to it as well. Listen, man, I'm not going to keep you because I know um, it's late um, and I do appreciate you for coming on. I really do. Uh, Dr. Derek Stanford, Stanford, um, a, a recent doctorate grad from FAMU. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it certainly is, you know, and you're developing all these programs um, being the great dad that you are, man, you know, getting this education. I'm just super, super proud of you. And I know you get ready to do big things. So, um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for your little insight on, you know, what you think we can do. And I guess to sum it all up is we start reaching back for our youth and, uh, and try to alleviate some of these things before they get to this point. Is that right? Thank you for your mission. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your leadership. Greatly appreciate it, good sir. Thank you for being an advocate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate that more than you know. I love people not just talk about things, people actually take action and doing things. So thank you for that. I'm, I'll, I'll do what I can. Thanks a lot, Derek. We'll, yes, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, take sir. Care. Be great. Have a good one, sir. Yeah, you too. Bye bye.